It seems like creatives always get a bad rap. From childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests, strange superstitions, and even self-mutilation, it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits. But they've also made a pretty big impact on the world. Hi, I'm Kate Rooney. And I'm Jess Scuffy. And you're listening to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform. In this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine, are creatives the worst? Hello, and welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle. My name is Kate Rooney, and I need to take a shower. And also, (laughs) I'm here with my co-host, Jess Guffey. I feel like that was a little bit of an overshare with the audience, no? Should we try that again? Are we talking about (laughs) personal hygiene? No. (laughs) We're talking about personal hygiene now on the podcast? I'm just looking at myself on Zoom and like, yikes. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I did think that you were blotting your forehead with parchment paper. (laughs) Um, Okay, talk about oversharing. You didn't have to tell people I was blotting my forehead. (laughs) That's cool. It's cool. Everything's Uh, fine. uh, Yeah. Well, Jess, I was running late to recording this podcast originally because I was geeking out over a new design and web development tool that I'm not surprised. Why not just share with everyone? It's called Lottie and it adds JSON animations to your website. Wow. That's all. I mean, that like Kate and I have this whole debate because she's so tech savvy with that and is on product hunt every day. And I, like don't follow any of that stuff, nor do I know how it works. So thank you so much for the tip, but I have no idea what you're saying right now. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Hopefully someone out there enjoys that fun fact tip that you just Anyone, please. (laughs) If you've heard of Lottie, let me know because I'm just playing around with it now. It it creates animations and they're very light files. So it doesn't add like load time to your website, which Mm. is very nice. Uh, All about that, uh, that quick, Website load time, you know? Gotta be when you're at Design Pickle. Mm-hmm. Well, Kate, are we ready to talk about this person today? I guess so. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear who it is because you've said it's kind of a heavy hitter. So I just would like to preface yet again that I do not know why I do this to myself repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't joke know. about that because I don't know why I keep doing historical figures that I know nothing about. <laughs> Like, why? Why is this the choice? And I actually didn't choose this one. I chose the category. And then our producer was like, ooh, do this person. And I was like, "Mm, good choice. And then I was like, why did I agree to this? (laughs) Such a bad idea. You're going to kill it. You're going to kill it. We'll see. So to start off, this person is one of the most recognizable names and faces in the world. They remade American culture. They are considered the world's biggest and socially significant pop culture icon. This person was the first female to have complete control over her music and image. She's also considered one of the most successful female solo artists of all time and was the best-selling, is the best-selling female recording artist, often put in the same category as Elvis and the Beatles. What? She is the queen of pop, known for her reinvention. <gasps> yes, Kate, today we are talking about Madonna. What? Taylor Swift, what no. a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Like, that's that would fit with that description, I feel. Interesting that she's the first one that came to mind. 
Hmm. I like that. Madonna. Yes, we are talking about the OG queen of pop, Madonna. All right. Nice. I would like to also preface this by saying I always joke about this in the episodes, but there is so much information I can't even begin to describe. So similar to what we did for Prince, I'm not going to mention every single album or every single single she ever dropped, nor am I going to mention every single uh, movie she was in or anything like that. We're just going to keep it pretty relevant with the stories and the controversies and whatnot. So if you feel like I'm missing something really important, let us know at podcast at designpickle.com. But there is so, 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 so much. It's scary. (laughs) I'm so excited. Wow, Madonna. Madonna. Material girl. Are you are you a fan of Madonna? Do you care either way? I mean, a fan. I'm ambivalent, but... Agreed. That's how I was. That she, yeah, but she's obviously an icon and a, a trailblazer, so... Totally. Pumped. Let's jump in. So, Madonna Louise Ciccone, very Italian... <gasps> was born on August 16th, 1958 in Bay City, Michigan, a town that she once referred to as a stinky little town. Oh, no. What's the name of the town? Bay City, Michigan. Sounds really nice. Sorry, Bay City. Whatever. She was born to Catholic parents. Her mom's name was also Madonna, and her dad's name was Silvio Anthony Ciccone. She was dubbed Little Nani by her fam since she was a junior. And was the it's third not a rapper. <laughs> it could be. I'm surprised no one's taken that. That would actually be a good rap name. <laughs> <laughs> Little naughty. She was the third of six children, and she learned early on how to handle her role as a middle child. She often said, and has said since, she was the sissy of the family, and she used her femininity to get what she wanted in the family. So we can see we can see a trend already there, but. As a child, Catholicism played a large role. She has said before that there were always priests and nuns in her house growing up, and her mother was extremely religious. And I don't know how much you know about the future, but this is extreme foreshadowing to some of her more controversial works, Mm -hmm. uh, because Catholic iconography, we'll talk about that more, but we can see kind of where it stems from if she was indeed surrounded by priests and nuns all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of imagery in her, in her music videos and stuff. Exactly. So in 1963, her mother passed away of breast cancer at the age of 30. Madonna was only five and her mom was pregnant with her younger sister at the time. So they had to do a whole bunch of stuff to get the baby to term. Like they couldn't treat it the way they would have if she was not pregnant. And because she was only five years old, she didn't really grasp the concept of her mom dying and didn't really have a chance to deal with it in a good way. And a lot of people, obviously, she's a very heavily researched person and studied person. A lot of people define this as a pivotal moment for her because they say she was haunted by her mom's passive demeanor. I mean, her mom was completely incapacitated by the cancer. And that kind of. 30? She passed away at 30? 30 from breast cancer. Ridiculously young, especially with six kids. I mean, that's. Oh my God. So sad. So, because she witnessed her mom in such a fragile state, she has often said it made her more determined to have a voice. And she said, I think the biggest reason I was able to express myself and not be intimidated was by not having a mother. For example, mother's teaching manners, and I absolutely did not learn any of those rules and regulations. So it really had a profound impact on her. I mean, how could it not? And Mm -hmm. 
she's also been quoted saying i was a lonely girl who was searching for something i wasn't rebellious in a certain way i cared about being good at something i didn't shave my underarms and i didn't wear makeup like normal girls do but i studied and i got good grades because i wanted to be somebody so you can see already the makings of you know we talk about this a lot but mommy issues (laughs) parent issues well i had no idea she had so much tragedy in her life at such a young age. Yeah, No idea. I didn't either. either. And I think we do kind of see that a bit in in the folks that we cover is like astonishing tragedy in their their lives that no one really knows about because you just see what's going on in in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that she turned the, I mean, not turned things around, but wow. Yeah. That's That's a hard thing to overcome. And it affected her relationship with her dad, too. She was so afraid of losing him in addition to her mom that she often couldn't sleep unless she was near him for comfort, which, I mean, that makes sense as a child. I mean, your brain automatically goes, so, well, what if I lose my dad, too? So, in 1966, her dad, Tony, remarried their housekeeper, and they had two kids together. Now, Madonna, as you can imagine, was not a fan of this, and it really strained her relationship with her dad. But she referred to herself in this situation later as the quintessential Cinderella because her stepmom made her watch her younger siblings and she really resented this and felt like she was being treated unfairly by her stepmother and her siblings were favored. So who knows how much of that is true. I cannot imagine if my mother passed away so young and my dad just married someone who, like not just uh, another person that he randomly met, but someone who's in their lives already. Yeah. I'm sure it happens more often than not, but it's kind of hard as well. So as you can imagine, this is when we first start to really see her signs of rebellion from her clothing to what she did in her extra time. She was going to underground gay nightclubs and already starting to show signs of rejecting her religious background. But then on the contrary, she was taking ballet lessons too at this time And she was also getting really, really good grades. So while at school, she would do weird things like show boys her underwear in the hallway or do cartwheels down the hallway. But then she also was super, super high achieving and a perfectionist and a cheerleader while she was doing those things. So kind of a weird juxtaposition between personalities almost. I don't know. You can do all those things and still be high achieving. Totally. I suppose. Totally. So because she was a cheerleader and involved in ballet, she graduated from high school a semester early and received a full dance scholarship to University of Michigan. Yep. (laughs) Your face right now is so funny. (laughs) I didn't know that she was a dancer either. I didn't know that she was a dancer first either. So she's at University of Michigan and she receives an opportunity to study with the famous New York City Dance Theater which she has since described as being extremely physically brutal. That -hmm. gives you any indication. We've all seen Black Swan. We have all seen Black (laughs) Swan. I can only imagine. But she was receiving different opportunities because people were recognizing her dance talent. And in 1978, she received an opportunity to perform with famous choreographer Pearl Lang. And because of this, because it was such a big opportunity, her dance instructor actually encouraged her to drop out of college to pursue a full-time career in dance. And she did. Oh. 
So she moves to New York City. She paid her rent with odd jobs like nude art modeling and serving at the Russian Tea Room while also performing at the American Dance Center when she could. She also allegedly worked at Dunkin' Donuts and was fired for squirting jelly in a customer's face. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, also... <laughs> for, for anyone who's worked in the service industry, though, I mean, haven't you always kind of wanted to do that? I mean, kind of iconic, really. <laughs> that customer must have been a real dick. And I'm Just sorry, saying. do you know what the, the Russian tea thing it's is? It's a famous 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 place in new york city i would recommend looking it up okay but she did say that when she moved to new york it was her first time ever taking a plane she said she only had 35 dollars in her pocket it was the first time she ever took a taxi when she got there it was the bravest thing she'd ever done but her brother has since disputed this saying that when she moved to New York, she actually had a bunch of contacts. She had some money saved up. It wasn't this sob story that she tried to make it out to be. Now, who knows what's true? We don't know what actually went down, but I can see both sides. If she was already getting opportunities in New York City, she probably knew some people and had a pretty good network of people to help her out when she got there. But who knows? Yeah, but it's still not easy to go to New York City. Certainly not. Even if you have contacts there, it doesn't mean that you're going to survive. No, they say a lot of things about New York and never have I ever heard that it's an easy place to live or get started Mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry. So she started getting work as a backup dancer for other established artists. And during this time, she was once held at knife point and forced to perform acts that are unspeakable to the men that were holding her at knife point. She found the incident to be a taste of her weakness. It showed her that she could not save herself in spite of the little strong girl show that she had going on. And for that reason, she's never forgotten this incident. I really would just want to give Madonna a big hug right now. <laughs> I didn't know because, you know, you said like, oh, are you a fan? I was like, man, I don't really care. You know, she's yep. iconic, but she is strong. Yeah, AF. for sure. That's dark it's it's a lot of stuff to go through from i mean she's still i don't even think she's 20 at this point Um, that's a lot lot of trauma yeah carry on through it's a lot to unpack so in 1979 she starts dating dan gilroy and he was the founding member of the band breakfast club he introduced her to vaudeville review in paris and she actually started working in paris as a showgirl and that's what really captivated her and got her interested in singing and performing and getting her the little bug to be an entertainer full-time, not just a dancer. So following year, 1980, she returned to the U.S., and she joined Gilroy's band as a drummer, and then later she became the lead singer. So we're starting to see the makings of a pop star here. And she actually really enjoyed it, and it caused her to form several other bands, including Madonna and the Sky and the band Emmy with her new boyfriend. Now, all these different adventures caught the attention of Sire Records, who signed her to her first deal to create a single. Now, 1982 rolls around and she releases her first single called Everybody. And the following year, her debut album called Madonna is released. This is where she gets her first top 10 hit called Borderline. And this is also where we start to see her iconic look due to the stylist Maripol be created. So fun fact about this that I didn't know before she started using a stylist, people really didn't use stylists. That wasn't a thing that artists did. And because she had such an iconic look from her stylist, people were like, oh, 
that's actually a really good idea and started using their own. So as you probably know, Kate, her iconic look at this time was lace tops, fishnets, the bleached blonde Mm -hmm. hair, jewelry with the crucifix, all of that good stuff. And that was all of her stylist work. So just an interesting tidbit. Yeah. I still can't get over the fact that like she, I I didn't know that she started her career as a dancer and then just decided to in her early twenties, you know, I'm going to sing now. Yeah. And drop an album with my name. Yeah. And you know what? I also, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that Madonna was her real name. I thought that was like her stage name. Me too. Little Nani. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what they called her? So, yes. So weird. Little Nani. Little Nani. Oh, I thought you said little naughty. (laughs) (laughs) As in like naughty or nice? Is that what you thought? I was like, that has to be a rapper's name already. Oh my god. <laughs> Classic misunderstanding. Classic cart move. <laughs> Classic jazz cart miscommunication. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, little In, Nani, that makes sense. Little Nani. In 1984, she makes an appearance on American Bandstand, which is not the first time we've heard of someone making an appearance on there. Mm. Prince did the same to kind of jumpstart his career. Dick Clark asked her, what are your dreams? And all she said was to rule the world, which I actually love because girl power. Let's go. Lil Nani. (laughs) Lil Nani. I love it. She had a vision for herself. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So this is the same year that she performed like a virgin in a wedding dress at the very first VMA award ceremony. Now, I did not know this, but I'm sure you've seen clips of this performance because it's very iconic now. Oh, but yeah. Her heel slipped off, and instead of stopping, she rolled around on the floor like you see her do. Now, people thought that this was rehearsed and planned, and they were like, oh, this is so offensive. She's basically pretending like she's having sex, you know, whatever. But she improvised the entire thing because of her heel falling off. She was supposed to just dance to the song. So, as you can imagine, people were very pissed about this. They said it was the end of her career, that she never should have done that. But we know that this moment is iconic, and it actually sparked her career in a way that no one could ever fathom at that point. Mm-hmm. And when she was asked about it one time, she said she did the best she could to try to make it look like everything was on purpose. But she didn't clarify this until decades after it actually happened, because she liked that there was a lot of mystery around why she did it and why it happened in the first place. But needless to say, this whole event changed the way the VMAs in general were looked at, and it basically put them on the map. I mean, we still watch them today, and it forced other musicians and stars to strive to make their performances as memorable as her very first VMAs performance, which I really like. I didn't know that about the VMAs. No. Uh, what a true professional, though. Just, yeah, just going. And, and hearing it, that people were so angry about it and whatever, I, I think we also he- see that a lot with the, the people that we talk about. And I don't know, I was having a philosophical thought the other day about people always say, like, creatives are always, like, risk takers and stuff like that. And uh, it's not intentional I feel like no we're not trying to piss people off in a certain way it's just like I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and people are always gonna be angry about it because people don't like what they don't understand so true and people are gonna be mad at anything people find reasons to be mad no matter what you do so you might as well do what you want to do it clearly helped your career so exactly Uh, like a virgin ended up as a certified diamond song 
selling 21 million copies worldwide, and she was the first female to sell over 5 million copies in the U.S., so it worked out pretty well for her. Amazing. In 1985, she started to become interested in being in films, and her very first film role was a cameo. She was herself as a club singer, and then the same year, she got cast as the lead role, or technically not credited as, but she was in Desperately Seeking Susan. So, (gasps) yeah. What? So, this movie was, I don't know how much you know about this movie. I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. We have to add it to our list. It was a box office hit as well as a critical hit. She played a grifter with sex appeal is how it's been described. So someone said that accumulation of style points as a means to self-expression in quintessential early Madonna ways. It says early, but I feel like this is, she's already done so much in her career. I know. So now you know why the research was so hard. Cause this is uh, yeah, <laughs> so much. Jess, you're, you're amazing. No. It's just, I'm a masochist, apparently, for this every week. (laughs) Anyways, so she did study acting for the role since she had never really acted before, but people did say her character's audacious, cool, and street-savvy hustle is all her own, so she didn't need to learn any of that, which totally makes sense. Sounds like she already had that swag when she was young. Exactly. This is also the year in 1985 that her second album comes out, and she's a certified megastar at this point. Between Like a Virgin, the movie doing well, she's just bona fide superstar. You know, we kind of jumped over Like a Virgin, but that also goes back to her growing up in a Catholic household. Oh, yeah. That was probably so taboo. Oh, yeah. And we can draw on those themes throughout because they don't go away anytime soon, I can tell you that. In 1985, due to her success, nude pictures of her were also released, but in true Madonna fashion, and we'll see this time and time again, she brushed it off, and it kind of set the tone for her and how she dealt with and continues to deal with scandals, and people say that she's actually an expert at PR damage control with her own image, because she just brushes it off and pretends like it doesn't affect her, and it might not actually affect her at all, and then people forget about it because she's like, I don't care. You guys can do whatever you want. Yeah. This year, she also marries actor Sean Penn because they met on the set of Like a Virgin when she was filming. I forgot that they were married. (laughs) Me too. Oh my god! So weird. So weird. This is also the year. She did a lot in 1985. It was a really good year for her. But it was also the year that her first major concert tour kicked off. So this is when she starts really touring and making the big bucks. In 1986, True Blue comes out, and it was dedicated to her husband, Sean. Not long after, though, Sean was allegedly becoming very, very jealous of all the male friends she had and all the people that mm-hmm. surrounded her. And not to exasperate the issue, but he had a huge box office failure. I mean, when I say this movie tanked, it absolutely tanked. I think it made $2 million on a $16 million budget something like that. Do you know which film it was? Something that I had never heard of, probably for good reason. Uh, Yeah. So it just added to the tensions of their marriage and things were not going well for them at this time. But with True Blue, from this point on, she has and continue to have writing or production credits on every single one of her records. Now, this leads to an interesting debate, and this came up time and time again in my research, but there was a debate about if it was a need for creative control, which we know very well at this point, and we've talked about a lot, or if it was a savvy business move to ensure that she was getting royalties on every song. 
it's been said there are very conflicting reports about this. So some people say that she's actually really good at writing and producing on her own and actually does all the work. Someone said, you don't produce Madonna, you collaborate with her. She's actually a really good producer herself and obviously a great writer too. She has her vision and she knows how to get it. Uh, Rolling Stones named her an exemplary songwriter with a gift for hooks and indelible lyrics. And here's where things get interesting. So she has all these accolades, right? Like people are like, wow, she's so good. But as a songwriter, she has registered a total of 287 songs to a, a music publishing service. It's there's an acronym that doesn't matter to anyone, but only 18 of these 287 songs she wrote entirely by herself. Now, when you look at the numbers of that, it seems really, really low compared to what other artists that are proclaimed songwriters do. And all signs point to her songs being mostly collabs. She might write the hook or two here and there, but again, she's never commented on it. So we don't know. I mean, that she's still contributing though. So I can't, you can't really fault her for that. Knowing a bit about the music industry and by a bit, I mean, nothing at all, but <laughs> it, there are like three pop song writers. Yeah. One is what Max Martin, he writes like every pop song you've ever listened to ever. Ryan Tedder so, is another one. Yeah. Like, so even if you're writing the hook or whatever, I just wonder how much of that is like, I don't know, because that was before the the whole pop formula really became like such an industry. It's interesting because there's so much conflicting stuff on it. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Like we really don't know, and it doesn't hmm. matter because she's so successful. It doesn't matter, but yeah. it's interesting from a creative standpoint. The debate is more so if you look at it from a higher level: is she just a really good businesswoman, or is she actually a gifted musician? You know, that's kind of what we have to evaluate, but it's not for Okay, that's what you're saying. Not for us to say. True. True, 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 true. Uh, People that collaborated with her, just as another side note, they've also said that she could have been successful as just a guitar player. Apparently, she's very talented at guitar, and she started to get more comfortable performing it on tour and at her concerts, but I've never seen her play, so that was news to me. Well, now, you mentioned the drums Mm -hmm. before, too. She plays the drums as well? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Just more and more, cool. and dances, and yeah, all that stuff. Writes hooks, apparently. It's all the things. Mm. All the things. So, on uh, this album was the Papa Don't Preach track. Do you, oh, do you know anything of that? Song. So, this song is actually <laughs> it's sung from a pregnant teenager's perspective that wants to keep her baby. And as you can imagine, as with everything that has to do with babies, this sparked huge controversy amongst pro-lifers and Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood said it glamorized teen pregnancy and said anti-choice groups used it as a weapon to discourage abortion. Madonna herself stayed completely out of the debate, saying she made the song because she felt like it, and it was a way to stand up to male authority. Typical Madonna. And she also stated women should choose their lives for themselves, but never commented on, you know, if she's pro-life, pro-choice, anything like that. But people were pissed about this song. They were not thrilled. You know what's weird, too, is, like, it's one thing if, say, Madonna wasn't a a singer or or a pop artist, and what if she was just an author and she wrote a book about that? Do you think there would be as much outrage, or is it because there's a song that's like light and fun people can dance to that that's what's causing all the outrage that's like a really good point she's just just sounds like she's just like a storyteller yeah and it so, sounds like 
I think people get more mad when you put a face with it. Like it's someone that you can actually oh. demonize versus if it's an mm-hmm. author, you often don't see what the author looks like or know their persona. Good point. So yeah. that might be part of it too. Who's to say? With that, let's take a quick break. Hey, Kate. Yes? Remember that time that we convinced our bosses to let us start a podcast? Yeah. And you know what? We made it happen, but we had some help along the way. Uh, It's not as easy to start a podcast as I thought it was. There's a lot you have to do. You have to get the branding, get all of your, your thumbnails and everything done. But we have some help from Design Pickle. Yeah, we sure do. And with things like the source files and unlimited revisions, unlimited requests, our smart designer match, it's been honestly a super easy process, way easier than if we were trying to do it ourselves. Oh, yeah. And we can even automate the process with the Zapier integration. So there's a reason why Design Pickle is ranked on the Inc. 5000 two years in a row. Uh, And I, I believe we have a special deal. Sorry, a special dill for all of our listeners right now we sure do if you are listening to this podcast and you need flat rate unlimited graphic design or custom illustrations you can get a hundred dollars off your first month of any of our awesome plans by using the code worst at checkout that's w-o-r-s-t all caps that is amazing head over to designpickle.com and use worst at checkout and you can get a hundred dollars off one hundred dollars off any plan it's amazing. Any of them. It's pretty big deal. Get out of here. <laughs> so I think you've seen by now, we have several similarities between Madonna and Prince. We keep drawing on those parallels, but it really is true. And what would a good story be without a Prince collab? So in 1998, wow, we just time traveled, 1988, Madonna went to Paisley Park to try to collaborate with Prince. And they had been longtime friends. Like, they're still, well, up until he passed away, they were still friends and admirers of each other's work. But she's often said writing songs with others is often too intimate. She prefers to write on her own. So she wanted to break the mold of that and go to Paisley Park to write with Prince. She worked with him for a few days, but then she left because she was just really over it and she couldn't get any work done. So they kind of sit on this. They really wanted to try to write something for her upcoming album together. And they were like, well, it's just not working out. But then he went to see her in her Broadway production of Speed the Plow, whatever that is, and brought her a demo of one of the collabs that they kind of wrote together, Love Song, at the time that she spent at Paisley Park. She actually really liked it and wanted to put it on like a prayer. But they continued to collaborate from far away because she didn't want to go to Minnesota. She said she she couldn't work in such a cold place and it was much too desolate for her and basically it just ruined her mood. She was not inspired to write there. Interesting. Yeah. But she did refer to Prince many times as being very shy but incredibly charming and funny in his own way, which is not surprising to us as now Prince experts, some may say. So <laughs> <laughs> I love a good crossover right? episode. I just And you know what? It's hard to have I think we said this before, but having two insanely creative people like it's nice in theory to have them come together and collab on something but that's very difficult to do if they're both so i don't know they like to control what they're working on and that's why we don't like uh group projects exactly in in school exactly so 
I just thought that was a fun little homage to our buddy Prince after all the time we spent talking about him. But in 1989, she has another controversy. Now, I think a lot of people know about this one, but might not know the details. And in response to this controversy around the same time as it was all happening, she said, art should be controversial. And that's all there is to it. Is she wrong? But basically what happened is the song itself premiered as part of a Pepsi ad and then the music video dropped the next day. Now, many people say that this was the original example of cultural appropriation and the video basically shows, have you seen it before? I don't know. Maybe. It shows her running into a church after witnessing white men assault a white woman and then she testifies on behalf of the black man who was wrongfully arrested for the assault. So, um, you'll have to Google it. Everyone should look it up on YouTube. It's a very, I love the song. I listened to it probably 20 million times as I was doing research because it's a banger, but the video is like, um, gay. Wait, I'm sorry. Which song are we talking about? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Sorry. I, I thought you were talking about something else. Yes. I do remember that. I was very young when that came out like a baby. So, (laughs) I, it was like after yeah. the fact, after it had been popular totally. for a while. But I remember watching it and feeling like, this is kind of weird. It's just a little strange. It's a whole scene in the beginning. I don't think I actually said the song, so sorry. It's like prayer that we're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very strange. I If you haven't seen it, look it up, like I said, because it's I can't fully describe it properly without seeing the visuals that go to it. But essentially uh-huh. all of the imagery within it i mean there's a statue of a black saint and burning crosses and she was praying to a black jesus and all this stuff there were so many protests about the imagery that she was using and pepsi actually ended up dropping her and the five million dollar ad campaign that went along with it as a result now some applauded her for this for breaking racial and religious taboos but others said it was a flagrant misuse and abuse of African-American cultural identities by white artists, which we know is still an issue today. And it was actually condemned by the Vatican. (laughs) So she's just pissing off the church left and right. And we see that again over and over again. But the day after she was dropped by Pepsi, she had an event and she walked the red carpet with a Coke can, which... Which I think is so (laughs) petty, but also, I mean, (laughs) who's her PR person? Herself. I kind of love that. She decided to do that on her own. So, you know, take that for what it is. But I don't understand, and maybe you're getting into this, but like, why do you know why she decided to do the whole scene and stuff in that music video no idea no i mean the only real explanation is her hatred of catholicism from childhood but even that isn't full but not even the 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 religious stuff but having like the whole scene where she's defending uh i don't know it's bizarre. It's just a little odd. I think I remember watching that music video when it was on, uh, what's that show called on VH1? Where it was like, pop up video. And it would say all the facts about the video. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Bloop. It's just a weird one. But anyways, on the album, so Like a Prayer was obviously the title song, but the album itself was called Like a Prayer. And Prince played guitar on three tracks, including that song. 
which I did not know. Oh, wow. And they were actually rumored to have dated at this time because she had just divorced Sean Penn. But the stories around it, there's nothing conclusive, but they're very strange. And it seems like at least the way people described it was that she was a little bit obsessed with him in a weird way, but we really don't know what happened there. And there was never confirmed that they were together. All speculation. But despite the controversy and Pepsi dropping her and the Vatican condemning her and all of the bad things happening, this album kicked off her streak of five great albums in a row. So they were all just wildly successful for the next five, which I think is pretty cool. But with the scandal part, there's a lot of debate, and I feel like you were getting on this, so I want to talk about it. There's a lot of debate about if she made the scandals or if they made her. Mm. And there are actually hundreds of articles out there talking about this very topic because she didn't have to put out a video like that right like the song's upbeat it's kind of Mm -hmm. fun you can dance to it she didn't have to go that extra with it so someone once said after all madonna didn't go from a child of eight in a working class detroit family to one of the most famous lasting and influential pop stars in the world by responding to a craigslist ad Her success is the result of one long determined calculation, not necessarily just the manifestation of talent. That's pretty savage, though. I mean, just thinking, talking about like, well, it's just so she can get up there and, you know, be famous. But to play devil's advocate, I mean, there are so many talented singers and creators out there who don't get famous. And she tapped into some like no no art has to be controversial Mm -hmm. she said that she knew that she recognized that that's going to boost her up yep but also what if it wasn't just like hey this is going to make me famous what if she just wanted to create it kind of we keep talking about prince but you know he he wanted to make all those movies and we speculated that making music just wasn't enough he wanted to make more and so maybe that's like her vision of doing performance art true so to speak. You're not wrong. She actually said at one point, I know I'm not the best singer and I know I'm not the best dancer. She was very insecure about her voice, like her whole career, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in pushing people's buttons and being provocative and being political. So like she, she knows what she's doing. She's not immune to that. Mm -hmm. Someone else said her fame was cobbled together through explosive moments, which I thought was very profound. And It again goes back to, you know, she might have had a hand in some of it and been fine with some of it, but I think a lot of the stuff just happened and she was like, well, I'm just going to deal with this head on and it's going to make me an even bigger star and you guys are going to have to deal with it. Well, that stuff happened and it made her a bigger star. So you kind of learn from that behavior and you're like, oh, okay, I can do this again. I can do a music video that's crazy and it's going to propel me even further. So. And she, she wanted sense. to know the world. She told Dick Clark, so why not go with it? <laughs> Dick Clark made it happen. No, <laughs> so in 1990, it's her Blonde Ambition Tour. And this is where we first see her collaboration with Jean-Paul Gaultier, which was the collab that brought us the cone boobs and corsets, as you have seen the images of. Now yes. that became her signature, as we know. And he has since said it was his by far and away his best collaboration that he ever did. And the tour in general was considered the bar for modern tours. It kind of set the precedent for doing multiple sets, crazy lighting, lots of costume, lots of backup dancers, making it an actual spectacle versus just an artist on a stage performing. 
So this was in 1990. I mean, that's pretty far ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. It was also around this time that she was offered a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but she never accepted it. So the invitation expired and she still doesn't have the star. <laughs> I didn't know you could just like not accept I didn't it. Know. I thought they would just do it regardless, but apparently you have to formally accept a star in your name. Fun facts. The more you know. This time uh, in 1990, she also dated Vanilla Ice for several months. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh-huh. It's my go-to karaoke song, as you know. I can't. So he has said it was just an odd relationship, and she was so jealous that she would call him in the middle of the night to see if he was cheating on her, and he would say, no, dude, I'm literally alone in my bed, but thanks for calling at 3 a.m. again. (laughs) Isn't he much younger than her, too? Not that that matters, but... Great question. Don't know the answer to Maybe that. Not. Maybe I'm just still picturing him when he's like blonde hair spikes. Probably. <laughs> so needless to say, that did not last very long. They were both not very happy in that relationship. <laughs> so, so bizarre. So weird. In 1990, MTV also bans her Justify My Love music video. Now, she's, I believe, I might be misquoting the articles, but I believe she's the only artist to ever have a music video banned by MTV (laughs) permanently. So it was banned because it was so sexually explicit. It basically had an orgy going on the whole time. And because... Was that the one with, like, monogamy written on someone's chest? I believe so. I didn't watch it, but I believe it's something like that. So because she was like, well, MTV banned it, so gotta do something she released it as a vhs single and that was the first time this was ever done for 9.99 and it ended up going platinum four times yeah so people would just buy like a just a sing- little vhs ten dollars can you imagine that now i pay ten dollars a month for my spotify subscription <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> i wonder if anyone still has their vhs version of that that'd be funny you probably find it on ebay probably for a million dollars she said her decision to release it as a VHS single was to combat hypocrisy in the world of music videos. She didn't really agree with the fact that she was being censored because she felt like there were male artists that put out music videos that were equally provocative and they didn't cause as big of a stir, which I'm guessing she had a fair point. I don't, I can't reference other music videos at the time, but I'm guessing that she was right in saying that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so... Well, I, I the same. I'm trying to think of... This is so awful. The first person who pops in my head is R. Kelly. Mm. Like, how come he wasn't banned from MTV and Madonna was? Right. But... I think at this point, too, yeah. I mean, you have to wonder if she had a little bit of a reputation from the Like a Virgin thing and the Like a Prayer thing, and they were being a little more hesitant because they didn't want angry letters and whatever from hate groups (laughs) and they were trying to protect themselves but at the same time Mm -hmm. she basically helped mtv exponentially with the vmas oh yeah so who knows the real reason behind it but not for us to decide in 1991 she really starts solidifying her status as an lgbtq ally and she did an interview with the publication the advocate and it really showed the fact that she understood the issues and identity of the LBGTQ community beyond just basic comprehension. And she credited her time in gay clubs early on for helping her empathy towards this particular group of people. Now, this interview came out at the height of HIV, 
And she actually did as a follow-up a PSA about safe sex and worked with a sex positive nonprofit group called ACT UP to really put her money where her mouth was um, in conjunction with the Mm -hmm. interview. So she's still seen as an ally today. She does a lot for the LGBTQ community and it's a big passion of hers, which I thought is a cool thing to mention amidst all the controversy and sex stuff. Yeah. I feel like I'm waiting for the, the other shoe to drop because you're up until this point, I'm like, I have such a new respect for Madonna. We said before, you know, I'm like, um, I'm ambivalent. I don't know. But just hearing how much tragedy she overcame and how she really worked her way up. I mean, moving to New York City and like having creating an awesome career is not easy. Mm. And yeah, hearing that she's supporting all of these groups. But now you're probably going to say something that's like going to make me not like her anymore and I don't want you to (laughs) (laughs) well in 1992 she released a coffee table book called sex and it was released at the same time as her album erotica so here we go there was so much backlash to put it in perspective it was basically a coffee table book that just had provocative and sexually explicit images of her nudes all of the thing unclear why she did it but because of the backlash from this book erotica was her lowest selling album of all time and the book went on to become a new york times bestseller within a week so clearly people were not phased by this but it was quite the stir because of the images and a lot of weird bondage moments and just a little aggressive with the book sexual liberation or just straight up being weird we don't know not for us to decide again i'm shrugging i'm like what's the big deal i mean that's what you're into exactly so this year is also the year which is a funny again juxtaposition to me but a league of their own comes out this year and she's praised for her performance and that movie is so innocent and pure to me i mean it's not but it is love that movie um did that influence you at all since jess you were a world famous softball player famous uh no (laughs) okay moving on i was more inspired by the sandlot i would say so much so that i named my dog after benny but yeah that's where benny's name comes you didn't know that big big light bulb moment wait did you really not know that i really did not know that are you serious we've been friends for how long now i don't know (laughs) Yeah, that's like one of my all-time favorite movies and just i feel like my childhood was a lot not with an actual sandlot but just you know with my team and whatnot i i really felt that movie now i want to watch that movie with you and we're we'll be together in a a few weeks so let's let's add that to the queue will be happy because it's his namesake so he'll watch with us anyways on a oh uh by the way benny is is jess's dog in case we did not make that clear enough he doesn't bark a lot but sometimes he'll make appearances on our video so just sneezes (laughs) yeah and rolls around on the ground yeah (laughs) our dogs like to be part of the podcast too which they're actually our producers (laughs) (laughs) just kidding (laughs) we've gone off the rails back on track a less less fun topic okay um baseball yeah, so in 1992, the book comes out, her album comes out, the movie comes out, and she also admits to having had abortions. 
but she set the precedent really for celebs openly discussing this topic. It wasn't something that was touched on before. So a lot of people praised her for this and they credit her for giving them the strength to talk about it on their own. She also founded the record label Maverick and she was the head of the record label for 12 years after that. Now, she helped start the career of the very famous Alanis Morissette with Jagged Little Pill. I did not know that, um, but she no. she heard Jagged Little Pill and was obsessed with it and was like, this is going to be an immediate hit. And then Maverick helped produce that song and record, I believe. Oh, I love that album. Me too. It's so angsty and amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Had no idea she was involved with that at Me all. Either. So in 1994, she had a very weird public moment on David Letterman. I don't know about you, Kate, but I love David Letterman. He's one of my favorite late night hosts of all time. But she basically, she broke a record for the amount of time she was bleeped out. And she was just swearing at him. She called him a liar with no reasoning behind it. She refused to leave the stage and she took her underwear off and handed them to him and asked him to smell them. And he was like, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with this. But she was, it seemed like she was actively trying to offend him. Now. (laughs) Well, we kind of just talked about how, you know, it's almost like Pavlovian. When you propel to success after having all these controversial moments, aren't you kind of seeking that at some point? Like, what else can I do that's going to propel my career? Yeah. Let me make David Letterman so extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Very odd. Why? I don't know. One critic said the Letterman appearance was another such stunt, a way to keep her name in the papers in lieu of actually producing some sort of creative work. So people were not impressed anymore. I think by this point they were like, we get it, Madonna, just do something else. We get that you like this kind of stuff, but we're kind of over it. People were getting a little bit fatigued by the same shtick going on. Mm -hmm. And they kept saying that that in conjunction with she was doing weird stuff on tour at this time, like just rubbing flags between her legs and just doing weird stuff to get attention. So people started murmuring that she had gone too far and this was the beginning of the end of her career because they were just, again, they're like, we've seen it, dude. We get new material. <laughs> we're over it. <laughs> we're over it. <laughs> now this is also around the time that she dated Dennis Rodman for two months, famed basketball player. And (sighs) quick, quick sidebar about Dennis Rodman. No idea where you're going with this. Because he's from, or he he lived in Orange County or was in the area. And when I worked as a junior lifeguard instructor for a time, his kids were in the program. (laughs) And he'd come to pick up his kids, which is like this huge parking lot. So all these, the parents come to pick their kids up from junior lifeguards And he drives up in this huge Hummer with a butt, like the whole exterior was painted in just naked women. Oh, I'm not surprised. And we didn't know what to do because I I mean, I'm like 17 and I'm running this program with other 17 year olds and we're like, avert your eyes, children. (laughs) Like, what do we do? We had to like guide people away from them. So, you know, because all these kids are seeing this like they're seeing boobs on this car for like the first time in their lives so yeah that was like my first uh oh hello dennis come on and make a scene in front of all these children that's perfect funny what a weird (laughs) weird story 
<laughs> like, yes, yeah, I I forgot that that no, ever happened. That's just, so you brought up his name. I mean, how that's so unbrand for Dennis Rodman. Yeah, know, I it know. Just makes sense. But with their relationship, some interesting things happened. The speculation is that Madonna may have had an effect on his style and interest in publicity stunts, like showing up to his book signing in a wedding dress and a few years later. But he has. <laughs> argued this and said that she didn't influence him okay yeah uh when they first met madonna allegedly locked him in her hotel room and said i'm not letting you out (laughs) how do you lock someone in a hotel room i don't know um i'm sure there are ways to do it if you're madonna he also (laughs) how is it he thought her music sucked (laughs) and publicly said that Sounds like a really healthy relationship. Well, it gets better. So apparently she really wanted to have a baby with him really, really bad and called him when he was away gambling in Vegas and was like, you need to, you need to come here right now and we need to make a baby. So he flies to New York, they do the deed and he literally flies back to Vegas that night to continue gambling. He flew all the way across the country just to do the deed. Now, she reportedly wanted this baby so bad that she offered him $20 million to impregnate her. <laughs> yes. And he turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needed any help in the money department in the nineties. No. <laughs> so it's just, uh, eh. why? I don't know. Um, I guess she also sat. F- Ladies, if you ever have to pay, your man to give you a baby just don't just don't (laughs) great advice kate just don't (laughs) but just don't i guess one night she was at one of the games and she's sitting front row according to him looking very madonna-ish and after the game she just was randomly sitting at his locker and he was very confused by this because kate as you may or may not know it's really not that easy to just sneak your way into a professional sports locker room oh, and i've tried he, i've tried just kidding but no. he didn't invite her in or put her on a list or anything and she just sat there and all the players were asking why she was in there because they all had their towels on but they didn't really care they were like it's madonna whatever it's madonna they wanted a picture yeah. with her and she just sat there and was hanging out with the dudes and then they went home together <laughs> sounds like a power move it does like she's able to walk in there no problem and it's in front of all of his colleagues really just like deal with it i'm here <laughs> yeah just odd but dennis has since said we had a nice little fling that came and gone madonna didn't influence me to be a fashion and creative guru we came together in the perfect time she was stagnating in her career and i was coming up we helped motivate each other going the same direction at that particular time so yet again, we ask, is it a publicity stunt that they were together? Did she actually like him? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Now, in 1995, she has a relationship with Tupac, which I did not know. There's that famous picture where she's, yeah, I've seen that. Now, there's not a whole bunch about their relationship, but my favorite part and the funniest part to me is that Tupac actually broke up with her via letter from prison and <laughs> the reason was because she's white <laughs> so it was very short-lived between the two of them yeah 
you just decided. I wonder how she took that. Probably not. Well. Can't really change that. So, oh, and it's not like you can go beat him up because he was in prison at the time. So, oh. yeah. So immediately, she sneaks into the prison, and just sitting there. <laughs> and Madonna, be surprised. Not too long after this breakup, she starts dating Carlos Leon. And as you know, or may not know, this is the eventual baby daddy of her first daughter. So in 1996, we get back to movies and she really wanted to be in the movie Evita. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not, but I know some of the music because it's iconic. She actually mm-hmm. wrote to the director to get the part. She was so enamored by the position and really, really felt like she could do a good job at it. And he ended up being impressed by her initiative to do that. So he gave her the part. She had to do significant vocal coaching, which she has since said significantly improved her range, which made her career better. She also had to take history lessons about that whole region of the world, make sure everything was factually accurate and that she was acting accordingly. And she kept getting sick while they were filming, and she didn't know why, but she found out that she was pregnant with her first kid, Lourdes, who's called Lola. Mm -hmm. And she ended up winning the Golden Globe for this performance, and it was a critical success. She received so much critical acclaim for it. So yet again, she's leveling herself back up after weird stuff with Tupac, weird stuff with Dennis Rodman. She reinvents herself, and lo and behold, is a renowned actress. Hmm. So shortly after this, she breaks up with Carlos, a.k.a. Lourdes' dad, because she said that they were better as friends. So pretty short-lived, but it sounds like they had a nicer, more normal relationship than her and Dennis may have had. Well, and it sounds, I mean, she clearly really wanted to be a mother, and it almost sounds like that kind of reprioritized everything for her. Totally. Now we're in 1998. This is when Madonna starts to become involved with Eastern mysticism and Kabbalah, which is a school of thought in Jewish mysticism. Yet another parallel to Prince, as we recall he. I completely forgot that she made that whole religion. Yeah. Um, And this is when she released Ray of Light, and it was a softer take and yet another reinvention we see. So it wasn't the dancey, clubby, sexually provocative. It was a little more mainstream. And she received a lot of critical acclaim for this new sound, including four Grammys for this new direction. So yet another reinvention wow. from our girl, Madge. This is <laughs> this is also <laughs> when she met Guy Ritchie, um, who she dated for a long time and then married. She mm. met him via Sting, which I didn't know. I feel like the creative industry is so intertwined that these people are all... Via what? Mm-hmm. Oh, Sting, okay. Now, yeah. according okay. to reports, the relationship was one scene of emasculation after another, and it was often said that Madonna was way too obsessed with her own image for Guy's liking. He just was kind of over it. He didn't really understand it. He was a filmmaker and just didn't really understand her need to be obsessed with her image as much as she was. He always seemed a lot more low-key. Needless to say, they still had a child together, and in... 2000, she gave birth to Rocco John Ritchie, who's the son of Guy, obviously. Now, she returned to the U.S. with a fake British accent around this time. That's right. Which she still kind of has. It, it's very interesting if you've heard her interviewed in the past few years. Oh, she still uses it? Yeah, it's, it's something. But she said 
I'm not reinventing myself. I'm going through layers and revealing myself. I'm on a journey, an adventure that's constantly changing shape. So, Madge, I don't think you had that uh, British accent under all those layers. I think that's a new one. <laughs> She's like, I pulled a layer back and surprise, I'm British. <laughs> I'm British. Who knew? Harry Potter. <laughs> so weird. So that rubbed people the wrong way as well. But in 2000, she had done a few more movies, none really worth mentioning. But she was <laughs> in 2000 dubbed the worst actress of the century. And by this point, she had nine Razzie wins, which, as you know, is for worse acting performance. <laughs> so she had some... Cre- no. Okay, of the <laughs> century. Actress of the century. So, yeah. That's yeah. extreme. But today, just as a quick side note on her film career, she's been in 26 feature films, 10 short films, and hmm. three plays. So she's prolific in this space, but... <laughs> Apparently not, not the best actress in the world. But she did so well in Evita. So she did so well in Evita and Desperately Seeking Susan. So maybe it was just about finding a role that actually fit her. Who knows? Hmm. Now we fast forward to 2003, and this is when we get to the infamous kiss with Britney Spears waiting for it and Christina Aguilera (laughs) at yet again the VMAs. And Madonna, in her typical way, her casual response to these controversies didn't really care she just brushed it off and it was clear at this point that she was aligning herself with the young talent of the moment to again try to reinvent herself and stay relevant she allegedly saw britney's manager after the performance and kissed him on the lips and said you see larry it was all worth it <laughs> larry's like larry's what? like what? Uh, <laughs> do you know I vaguely remember, was that, like, not scripted or not planned at all? Like, she just went for it? I couldn't really find info about it. Um, Okay. I don't think that she's publicly said it, because she likes to keep those types of things a mystery, but... Sure, uh, sure. I always felt kind of bad for Christina Aguilera, because it was all about the the Britney and Madonna kiss, and no one cared as much about Christina. I I forgot that she was even part of it. Yeah. But... Yeah. What an iconic moment. So, I mean, it'll go down in VMA's history, if not pop, cl- pop culture history. Um, this is also around the time that she was trying to rap, and it was just a pretty massive failure. She was mm. not... Lil Nani was not good at rapping. Little Nani... Naughty Nani. <laughs> it was not great. No. But she started developing some other business interests as well, and this is when she released her first children's book. So she goes on stage, kisses Britney, and then also releases a children's book in the same year and donated all the money from the children's book to a charity for children. So all over the place here. Now, 2005, she returns to the charts. She makes a little bit of a comeback with her Confessions on a Dance Floor album. And this tour became the highest grossing tour by a female artist. It made almost $200 million in revenue. But she pissed off the Catholic Church yet again. <laughs> she, oh, she's still doing she's, that. Okay. We're still on that. Uh, she was in Rome for the tour, and she sang Live to Tell, one of her songs, while tethered to a disco ball cross in Rome, which is probably not the best place to do that for Catholic stuff. So, as you can imagine, she was accused of blasphemy, and the cardinal of the Catholic Church said, it is nothing short of a scandal, an attempt to generate publicity. <laughs> like, okay, 
We've but seen it before. Point, <laughs> yeah, it's... like, we know she's not for that, so... Yeah. I'm shocked. I just... Why don't you just, like... Why don't you just ignore her and live your life and you'll be fine? Isn't that parenting 101? I mean, not that she needed a parent, but it's like if you keep reacting to your kid doing something, they're going to keep doing it because they want the attention. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Come on. Come on, Catholic Church. So in 2006, she goes to Malawi, the country in Africa, and adopted her first son. But in true Madonna fashion, it was not without significant controversy. So... There were laws that prevented non-residents from adopting Malawian children, but she said that there were no laws, she went on Oprah to say this, to regulate the process officially, and she was accused by many at the time of just being a celebrity that wanted a, quote, rainbow family because it started to become trendy, and this family of the little boy that she tried to adopt and, and eventually ended up adopting, his family said she was baby snatching and that she had them sign papers they couldn't read nor understand. And the whole adoption was attempted, like they attempted to block it. These children rights groups in Malawi tried to block the adoption from happening. But she has since commented on it saying she didn't think trying to save a child's life would cause such an uproar. It was a really big low point for her. The child's dad was also weirdly involved. There wasn't a lot about it, but the whole thing was just it rubbed people the wrong way because he did still have a father and family Mm -hmm. and she just kind of came in and was like i want this one (laughs) so oh no yeah just again a little strange a little strange yeah you think you're doing something really good but you're just taking someone's child away yeah oh dear so i mean the adoption ended up going through and this is still her son today so Anyways, uh, the next year, she left Warner Bros., who she was with for 24 years, and she signed with concert promoter Live Nation, which was the first deal of its kind. The deal was worth more than $100 million, and it was a new way to look at ways artists could have deals. So it was relying mostly on touring instead of album sales, which, again, was pretty ahead of her time because this is before mm-hmm. um, Spotify and all the streaming services really came to be, but she kind of saw, hey we're not going to make money on album sales anymore. That's not where this is headed. So that was pretty cool because yet again, we're seeing that she was a visionary in this space. I don't know if it was her or live nation, but she signed on the dot. Sounds like she, she definitely knew how to put on a performance too. So why not lean into that? Exactly. Now she also directed a film in 2007 called filth and wisdom. And it was absolutely panned by critics. I have no idea what it was about. I didn't look it up. But now I want to because it was not well received. People were like, please just stop. (laughs) Just don't do this anymore. (laughs) So in 2008, she does her Sticky and Sweet tour. And at this point, it was the most successful, highest grossing concert tour of all time by a female artist. This year, she was also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And this is also the last time to date that she had a top five hit. It was Four Minutes with Justin Timberlake and Timbaland, if you remember that song. I do know that song. It's a great song. song. (laughs) Remember that song, yeah. In 2009, she adopted yet another child from Malawi, because the first heartache wasn't enough. And this was an actual court case that happened in Malawi, because people were again fighting it, saying she's not a resident, there are laws around this, you can't do this again. But then the higher court overturned the lower court's decision and said that she could adopt a little girl. 
So yet again, she got a child from Malawi. <laughs> Why does she keep going back to the same country if there's so many I don't issues know. going against her with that? I don't know. That's bizarre. I mean, there are so many children that need to be adopted. I, there's Yeah. I What? It, that part really rubs me the wrong way, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Just because I That's like the whole white savior exactly. thing coming into play. That's so icky. It's it made me feel icky. That's the best word for it. What also made me feel icky is that in two thousand nine she announced plans to create an all girls school in malawi for 15 million dollars she said she was going to build it from scratch and help all these kids but the plan was abandoned after two years and not one brick was laid allegedly people have said since it looks like an empty mine yikes and to pivot she was like oh i'm gonna help fund 10 schools instead and we don't really know if she ended up doing that but not a great look at all Mm -hmm. at all So in 2011, there was a lot of controversy around Lady Gaga's Born This Way because people said it sounded way too similar to Express Yourself, which is a very famous Madonna song. And Madonna didn't address it. Instead, she just was a a petty little bee and performed a mashup of the two songs on her Madonna tour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Didn't address it at all, but she's like, hmm we'll just put the songs together and everyone can decide for themselves how similar they are. So I'm sorry. I said Madonna tour. It's similar. The MDNA tour. We all know what that oh, stands sure. for. <laughs> 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 uh, I didn't actually get a chance to listen to them side by side, but I really want to now because I feel like there are similarities in the beats at least. Yeah. I mean, I remember when, when Lady Gaga got really big and there was a lot of talk of like, well, she's just trying to be another Madonna, blah, blah, blah. But come on. Lady Gaga is a queen yeah. in her own right. Why are we putting women against each other, people? Why are we, why? Why are we doing Let's that? not. So this year she also directed another film called W.E. And it didn't do well at all either but she kept doing it just like just like prince i, I didn't know she was involved in all I these know. films yeah. creators gotta create creators gotta create in 2012 she did a super bowl halftime performance <laughs> again yes prince. do you remember this and at that point it was the most watched in history which has since been surpassed i believe by prince i didn't look that up but i believe that's who passed huh. it but yeah, it was iconic, and I don't remember the performance that well. I just remember people were freaking out about it, per the usual. Uh, not too long after, a Malawi government spokesperson accused Madonna of demanding VIP treatment during a goodwill visit to the country. And oh in a statement, she said that she denied asking for special treatment and that she traveled to Malawi to visit schools funded by her nonprofit. So again, just like, what is it with this country? I just, I, I don't... I don't understand. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she thinks she's just a god there, mm-hmm. but no, no, no honey, don't do that. No. In 2015, one of the most famous, iconic musicals of all time now, Hamilton, comes out, and she went to the show. She sat front row and was apparently texting the entire time, which I don't know, Kate, if you've ever been to a Broadway play, but it's the biggest no-no you could ever do in theater. You just don't text during a Broadway play. You don't look at your phone. You don't have it on Ringer. It's so disrespectful to the actors and performers. So Mm -hmm. the whole cast of Hamilton basically 
spoke out against her Lin-Manuel Miranda banned her from all future Hamilton performances and was like if you can't respect it then you can't come back Jonathan Groff who is in Mindhunter and is the voice of Kristoff in Frozen also is the king in Hamilton he said quote that bitch was on her phone you couldn't miss it from the stage it was a black void of the audience in front of us and her face was there perfectly lit by the light of her iPhone through three quarters of the show Oh, yeah. again, my face I is know. just, my eyeballs are massive because I, for whatever reason, just because they're all creators and, and whatnot, musicians, I would think that they like, you know, were friendly towards each other. But if someone's being that disrespectful to, yeah. towards your craft, you're going to be pissed. I mean, she wouldn't want people to do that at her shows, I can't imagine. No. And it's, I mean, you're lucky enough to go to Hamilton. People were fighting over those tickets and still do. And, and it's not like you don't have to go to a bunch of Broadway shows to know that that's a big no-no. I mean, we all grew up going to the movie theaters where it's like there's five minutes of ads saying, turn your cell phone off. Exactly. You know? That's so rude. Yeah. So she didn't have much of a response to that because what can she say? But a lot of people feel like this. Sorry, I was texting Malawi. <laughs> I was requesting the country. VIP treatment from them, and they said no via text, so I got to keep texting them. It was <laughs> um, A lot of people think that this signified a shift in her PR stunts, though, because they weren't being crafted carefully anymore. It was just like a lack of relevance and understanding basic social interactions at this point, and <sighs> she was just getting panned for it. People were like, yet again, yeah. we're kind of sick of it, dude. Kind of, we're kind of over it. Just be better. Yeah. Now, in 2016, she does carpool karaoke with James Corden. And it's just, it's kind of weird. You need to watch it. I would show it to you, but I couldn't even pick one section to show you because the whole thing, our producer watched it too. And we were like, what did we just watch? Really? It's just odd. She said during that that she doesn't party, smoke, or drink, and that she goes out and performs and then goes home and wants to be Julie Andrews. Meaning what? That she is really pure at home. Um, yet again. But I mean, that had to have been like tongue in cheek. <laughs> I don't know. She also said during that that she wanted to be a nun for a long time. And I'm like, but did you? Because you started rebelling pretty early on, girlfriend. I don't, I don't see the nun thing for you in any of that. But okay. Sure. This year, she also... 2016 she was big into activism for women's rights she actually participated in the women's march on washington and was named billboard woman of the year for her honest speech on equality sexism and ageism just i mean i feel all over the place right now because like she's doing something shitty and then she's doing something good and winning an award and being an activist hey man that's (laughs) people are flawed that's called being a human being we're all flawed And creatives tend to go to the extremes in both ways. So, yeah, I when everyone we discuss, I'm like, oh, I love this person. They're my hero. And then like, oh, that's so gross. How could they do that? But that's just especially, you know, like people do stuff like that, but you don't know because they're not in the spotlight. Like these people have been propelled into fame. So we see the extremes of what she's done, but it's safe to say she's done a lot for women and female equality and everything like that. But also like, yeah. Yeah. Also I, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Just a little bit of a 
I think just being, because she's so iconic. She's like the queen of pop. So things are probably just your, your reality is so misguided at that point. (laughs) Probably. Well, to make our opinion of her even weirder, in 2017, she sent Malawi another text. <laughs> and went, She didn't, but she went back and adopted twins from Malawi. So she has four children from Malawi and two of her own children. She also co-founded Raising Malawi to help orphans there and opened a hospital there. So take that for what you will. We don't really know. Now... In today's age, she is obviously not making as much music as she was, but she is a partner in a chain of health clubs called Hard Candy Fitness. She has a bunch of other business ventures. Speaking of fitness, I didn't really get to touch on this, but I think it's worth mentioning. She was often criticized by people for being too muscular, but I remember that. she felt like she defined the standard for how strong a pop star could look and like it was okay to be muscular as a woman and like it's not easy to perform the way you do, you know, like you have to be in shape. And so what if that's how her body also very thin too. So I feel like her muscles were more pronounced. Yeah. That was always kind of a thing. And she still gets crap for that, but cool. there's also a rumor going around right now that she's working on a script for a film about her life with writer Diablo Cody, who, if you don't know that name, she did Gino. Yeah. So that could be interesting. Uh, She also was recently very much getting heat because she was doing an Instagram live from a bathtub and had rose petals in it and was talking about COVID and basically just was making really questionable comments about COVID. Instagram actually flagged and removed the post for making false claims about coronavirus. So again, it's just like, are you in touch with reality anymore? Are you so far removed from it? because you're so famous it it just seems like there's a lack of understanding and a lot of her instagram posts are like that she referred to her son her biological son as the n-word at one point and then tried to apologize excuse me yeah tried to like apologize for it and be like oh it was a term of endearment and then she also (sighs) took the photo shoot that jay-z and beyonce did at the louvre from the song eight you know, that music video. Uh And instead of the paintings on the wall that the Louvre actually has, she replaced it and Photoshopped it with all her album covers. And people (laughs) were like, okay. (laughs) Like, At at this point, I'm not even like mad. It's just funny. Like she's kind of lost it a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Just a little. (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah. So on top of that, critics have not enjoyed her most recent music. Her, most recent album, Madame X, has been heavily criticized. A Ringer article said, from the perspective of your average millennial or much younger willing to take the plunge with the new Madonna album on Spotify, it's hard to interpret that early double shot of uncut wackiness as anything other than an attempt <laughs> to clear the room of all 100 people at once. I think the phrase uncut wackiness really just sums up this whole episode. Because uh, that's what it is. Yeah. So that's where she's at. I just want to touch again on her legacy. So a New York Times article is really good. It covered her whole life for her 60th birthday. And it said, in a career spanning four decades, Madonna made real cultural change and caused a few cultural crises over and over again. 
For all the criticism she's weathered during four decades in the spotlight, she deserves a celebration. Madonna's ability to transform herself for albums, videos, photo shoots, tours, and movies made her a master of perpetual transformation. As she rolled from one aesthetic to the next, switching up her hair, her choreography, her accent, it became shorthand to describe what was happening in one word, reinvention. Mm. So, I mean, it's no secret. She had 38 top 10 hits on the Billboard 100 singles chart. The only person that is behind her on that, she's the highest person with that of all time. Uh, The Beatles are behind her with 34 top 10 hits. So she's had the most of all time. Her overall ticket sales have passed $1 billion. That happened eight years ago, and I'm sure it's improved even since then. She has a net worth of over $800 million to make her the richest recording artist ever. Now, as far as the way she views her legacy and longevity, she said, I like to compare myself to other kinds of artists like Picasso. He kept painting and painting until the day he died. Why? Because I guess he felt inspired to do so. Life inspired him, so he had to keep expressing himself, and that's how I feel. I don't think there's a time, a date, an expiration date for being creative. I think you go until you have nothing else to say. Wow. Which is very... Mic drop moment right there. very profound. Someone else also commented on her success and said, She's certainly not outstanding natural talent. As a vocalist, musician, dancer, songwriter, actress, Madonna's talents seem modest. He asserts Madonna's success is in relying on the talents of others, and that her personal relationships have served as cornerstones to the numerous reinventions in the longevity of her career. So there's a lot of debate about it and like what actually made her super successful because a lot of people agree that she's not the most talented person in the world. Yeah. It's not one thing. It's not one thing. And I think that's why she has stayed so relevant. Now, the last thing that I will say is she has been studied, as I mentioned briefly, but it's like legit, like academic people in the academia world, they have studied her to see why she became such a cultural phenomenon. And one person said, Madonna's celebrity is unique in that it seems to depend as much on repugnance as on acceptance. Her fame frame, unlike that of most other megastars, rests very much on people who love to hate her while monitoring her every move and on others who hate to love her as well as on the traditional adoring fans. Perhaps it's not surprising that even academics are doing a brisk trade in Madonnaology. I didn't get to take that class in college. I know. They didn't offer that at school. It's weird. So, Kate, as a uh, feminist icon, fashion icon, gay icon, pop icon, cultural icon, sex symbol, you name it, biggest pop star in the world, I ask you, (laughs) is Madonna the worst? Uh, No. I mean... Okay, I didn't know that she was so young when she started her career. Like, and not only like starting her mm-hmm. career, but got, getting famous so young in her early 20s. And that quote that you said about, you know, creativity doesn't have an expiration date, that gave me goosebumps. That is so true. Yeah. So there's a, clearly a lot of debate about was it just for publicity? How much, I mean, was she really that talented? Like, I don't think it's a matter of how talented she is. I think she's just like a creative person at heart mm-hmm. and came through a lot of tragedy and then getting so famous so young, that's going to mess you up no matter what. Uh, yeah, agreed. So do not like the stuff with her thinking she's better than and the stuff with the adoption is very troubling. Agreed. And I don't want to excuse her behavior for that, but 
I think there are definitely creatives who are worse in this case. I agree. I've never particularly cared for her. I Mm -hmm. just didn't know much about her. And I, when I did see her on interviews and stuff, I was like, no, this doesn't vibe with me. My mom can't stand her. Um, so that probably contributed to my dislike. And I honestly felt the same way after I did this, I respect her Mm -hmm. and she broke so many barriers for females and stands up against sexism, stands up against ageism, doesn't give it that she's 60 years old and still relevant. But I just, the whole controversial stuff and the Dennis Rodman stuff and the adoption, I just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. bizarre And it's, it's unnecessary to me. Like that one quote, I don't feel as strongly as that person did, but you're doing that instead of making actual creative stuff. You know, you're getting attention for that stuff when you really don't need to be because you are talented and you are making enjoyable music that people love. So she is talented, yeah. It's just I I don't vibe with that. That's just me though. I don't like people that are so over the top. <laughs> yeah, cer- certainly have a new respect for her that I never had Absolutely. before. Same. And and growing up, I knew like all of her music videos and stuff like that. Like we weren't allowed to watch that, so I knew it was taboo. <laughs> uh, didn't really understand why, but. Yeah, new respect for her. Interesting to see what what she will do next. You know, it doesn't sound like she's stopping anytime soon. (sighs) She's Picasso. Of course not. Sure. (laughs) Sure. So if you disagree with us and think she is a for sure worst on our list, (laughs) let us know at podcast.designpickle.com. And just a reminder, this is all our opinion. And if you have differing opinions, we'd love to hear from you. It's all based on our research. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, there is so, so, so much about her. So if there's a story that we missed or a controversy that we missed, let us know that too. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well done, Jess. So I'm thank exhausted. You. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I need to go take a shower. Uh, so <laughs> thank you all for listening. Be sure to tell your friends about this podcast because we're coming out with some cool stuff. Obviously, I mean, I don't know who's cooler than Madonna. We'll find out. So stay tuned, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Creatives Are the Worst. If you like what you're hearing, or if you think that we're the worst, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you. You can also contact us directly at podcasts at designpickle.com. And a big thanks to Design Pickle for sponsoring the show. Join us next week as we once again try to answer the question, are creatives the worst?